0: Welcome to Property Unpacked, the podcast that unpacks the hot topics of property and explores how they affect you. In today's episode, we'll be looking at the state of the rental market and how it has been changed by COVID-19.
1: She wrote us a big long email about their situation and we had to do what's right because we didn't want to lose great tenants and we didn't want them to not pay anything. We straight away wrote to our real estate agent asking for a possible temporary rent decrease and they got back to us saying, no, if we couldn't pay rent, then we should just pay whatever we can and then they'll tally up what we don't pay and set up a payment plan.
0: We rent out my mum's house to pay for her aged care and we have international students usually and uh, they are no more. (coughs) In circumstances that have pitted some landlords and tenants against each other, rent deferrals and temporary rent reductions are just the tip of the iceberg. We're now seeing rental vacancies and rental discounting on the rise. Later on in the show, David Hyman, CEO of Lendy and Director of Domain Loan Finder, will talk with us about what has happened with lending and refinancing during COVID. And if you have a mortgage, what number your interest rate really should be starting with. But first, Adrian Lowe joins me to unpack the current state of the rental market. Adrian, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. And can you give us a quick overview of the renting situation as it is at the moment and what changes have arisen post-COVID?
1: For sure. So we started out with a very nationalised approach that there was a moratorium on evictions on tenants affected by coronavirus. The resolution of that, though, has now fallen to the state. So each state has its own different approach. Tasmania, for example, the moratorium has now been extended to the end of September. In New South Wales, landlords can make an application for evictions to begin, but there has to be a mediation through the Department of Fair Trading. Each state has its own approach to ending the moratorium or moving through the rest of the coronavirus response. What we have also seen, though, is that there are some tenants who are having what we call deferred rents. They're having discounts, but they may have to pay that back at the end of the period. There are some who are getting discounts and landlords who are just writing that that money off. It really is a very individualised approach. No government has said across the state, this is how things will have to be. And so I think for some tenants it's causing, and landlords too, it's causing a bit of anxiety.
0: Mm. All the more complicated by the fact that it's so splintered state by state, as you touched on earlier. Um, Adrian, also so what is the effect of the lack of international students and immigration having on this rental market? We know that traditionally particularly in Melbourne and Sydney there was really strong rental vacancy rates in the CBD around universities and the outskirts of the city around universities. What impact is this having now that those international students are no longer here.
1: Yeah, it's having quite a huge impact. There's been some recent estimates by Juwai, which is a Chinese property portal that does lots of analysis on the Australian market suggesting that landlords in Sydney and Melbourne are losing about $60 million in rental income each month. That's $30 million in each city because we have tens of thousands fewer international students. And it is meaning that we have rental vacancy rates upwards of 16 17% in the CBD and other sort of areas where international students have primarily called home in Australia.
0: They're extraordinary numbers, and I'm sure I can only imagine for those investors, it must make them feel quite ill in the stomach. And there's no sort of end in sight on when they will be returning, is there?
1: No, that's absolutely right, because we are still requiring people to be in quarantine. Many countries have got similar bans to Australia on people leaving the country. This is a sector that's having its own issues as well. Like the universities are trying to evaluate how to move forward without a huge tranche of income that international students generate. So this is an economy-wide problem that, you know, the property market is caught up in.
0: We have international students usually and um, they are no more as of May the 5th. Whether they took the advice to go home or just found somewhere much cheaper, they left pretty quickly and we've reduced the rent, a fair whack. We've had one person look at it in a month or so, so hemorrhaging a bit of money that should be going into aged care. I'm currently on unpaid maternity leave and my partner has had his work reduced to four days a week. My tenant is a relative who owns and runs a couple of bars which were forced to shut. We had to negotiate a 40% reduction in rent.
1: They got back to us saying no, and it was just the push we needed to start looking somewhere else. We ended up finding a place that was $30 cheaper and better for us, so it actually worked out quite well.
0: Now, for those still employed and with relative financial security, what sort of anecdotes are you hearing about what? tenants were shopping around for cheap rent at the moment and negotiating very sort of rigorously with landlords. Have you got any colour that you can that you can share with me?
1: Yeah, so essentially this is a tenants market and tenants are definitely taking advantage of that and you know as we have talked about over the years it's been a really rough trot for tenants over the past few years so this is possibly one of the few times where if they can afford rent and that's a very big if because so many renters have been caught up in income being affected by this crisis then it really is an opportunity to possibly get a better situation for themselves we have seen rental markets with you know weekly rent prices that are quite high in Melbourne and Sydney particularly so what we are seeing is people having a look around and shopping around and trying trying to get some discounts on their rent taking advantage of the fact that you know landlords would probably rather have someone in their property at a lower price than have no one in there at all for weeks months on end. Mm. Agents in Sydney are reporting that some people are shopping around for discounted rental properties because they want to try to get a pet. And so it's easier to try and get that pet at the application stage rather than asking the existing landlord if the lease has previously said no pets. There are others yeah, I see. <laughs> um, there are others who are, are very aware that landlords are required to meet the market at the moment. So they are seeing the prices come down and then offering even lower prices. Than that. So, where a property, for example, might have been advertised at $550, was discounted to $525, a tenant might be. Uh applying at 510 or even lower.
0: Are you suggesting that if a tenant doesn't perhaps get that reduction, they may just choose to walk knowing that it's in their favour and they'll find something else?
1: Absolutely. This is the thing. There is so much on the market at the moment in many suburbs, particularly in inner and middle Sydney and Melbourne, where there are plenty of apartments. And there's just not the competition that there was six, 12 months ago in the rental market because there are fewer people looking for these apartments and properties.
0: Mm. I think like all things in property, though, it is happening in different areas more so than others. I know around where I am, I'm, I'm seeing queues of people turning up for open for inspections for rental properties. Um, so it's obviously it's obviously quite different in different hotspots. I know, you know, obviously areas around universities are probably less in demand at the moment. And I've also read that around hospitals, people are a bit reluctant to live around hospitals. There are quite different layers on it around different areas of the country.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what we are seeing from the most recent domain data is that there are actually some areas where the number of properties being discounted has declined from February to May. There's been a lot where the number have gone up, but in some areas such as, you know, around the Blue Mountains and the Central Coast, the Gold Coast hinterland, around the ACT particularly, and also the sort of outer suburbs of Perth, the proportion of rental listings with a discount advertised has actually gone down between February and May. Mm. In other areas, of course, there's been such huge changes in those numbers. So uh, the Melbourne CBD, and also with Hobart, because there was such an influx of properties on the rental market because people couldn't travel and take up the Airbnb opportunities, which was happening a lot in Hobart. Um, a lot of people are now discounting their properties to try to get someone into them so they don't lose money.
0: Mm. So it sounds like it is good news for some renters. However, it's a very tough time for landlords who are rel- Lying on that income. We know for many landlords or investors, that is their primary source of income. And so Obviously, they'll be feeling the pinch of that and that medium to long-term rent reduction is going to hurt them.
1: Correct. And in some cases, we have landlords who are elderly and renting out their family home to keep them in aged care for example or it's it's doing all sorts of other things we don't often know as tenants what the rent is going to of course there are some that are you know own 15 properties and you know they can probably weather things a little bit better but there are some small time landlords who will be hurting out of this what it is good for though for tenants is it does give them an opportunity to shop around and i think it's important that tenants use these figures as a guide and you know the research and the information we do have, but also then to make sure they do their research in the field and see what comparable properties are renting for. And this might be a great opportunity to get a property at a discount, but when the market starts to turn, they may not be able to afford that property again. And I think that's the other issue is that you know, property, as we've talked about, is cyclical. This is not going to be the situation forever. It's likely to be the situation for some time, but you would expect that things will turn over the coming year or so.
0: Mm. And I think also for those who are saving a little bit in their rent to try to pocket that money to put towards a deposit knowing that 's the biggest obstacle for first home buyers is not to go and spend that spend that bit of saving and try to um put it towards your next future property hopefully
1: yeah, absolutely, and I think you know first home buyers have got their own their own problems, yes they're back up but <laughs> that's a whole other podcast I feel Alice we can talk about <laughs> you know the obstacles for first home buyers, but yes. It's definitely a good time to be looking at making sure that there's some financial security. We are in a recession. We don't know how long this depressed economy is going to last. So it is a good time just to pocket away any extra money that you can.
0: Thanks, Adrian. It's really interesting. I look forward to talking
1: to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Alice.
0: Since the outbreak of the coronavirus, we've seen the RBA drop the cash rate to a record low with bank lending rates following suit. David Hyman, CEO of Lendi and Director of Domain Loan Finder is here today to talk with us about the latest movements in the mortgage space and explain what it means for those looking to borrow or to refinance. David, hello. Thank you for joining me today.
2: Hey Alice, thanks for having me on board.
0: So David, I want to kick off by talking about how are the current mortgage rates looking in a historical context?
2: As a starting point, mortgage rates at at the Moment are at absolute historic lows. When we saw the coronavirus um, outbreak commence in Australia, there was some relatively quick action by both the Reserve Bank and uh, the banks following that in ultimately releasing what are sort of historic low interest rates. So, for context, prior to the outbreak, we saw most of the market around the 3% mark or into the early 3% mark for, say, a variable principal and interest owner occupier loan. And relatively quickly, sort of in sort of the back end of March, we saw interest rates come down as low as sort of 2.09% for one, two and three year fixed rates, which is just sort of historic lows and, and very, very cheap money.
0: Mm. And I think prior to that, we, we probably all thought they can't get much lower than what they are now. This is when the pandemic was not even on the horizon. So it has been just quite staggering to watch it to where we are now. Is it fair to say that super low rates will now become the new normal for at least the foreseeable future, do you think?
2: I think so. If you think about sort of the underlying things that will drive the interest rates, it's ultimately the cost of that capital, um, which is partly set by the Reserve Bank or the RBA by um, the cash rate. And the cash rate's now down at a historic low of, of 25 basis points, or so the target for it anyway is sort of 25 basis points. And what that means is when you look out over the next five or 10 years in what's called the yield curve, which is ultimately sort of a representation around what um, that looks like over time, we think that these low rates are, are here to stay for some time yet.
0: Now, there have been a lot of reverberations in the mortgage space as a result of COVID. Have you seen an increase in the number of people looking to refinance at Lendy during this period?
2: Yeah, look. Lots of people have taken up the opportunity to refinance. I think if you if you think about the emotional and uh, practical cycle that um, the whole of Australia has gone through since this all started to play out in March, um, there was that first sort of you know trough of uncertainty and people weren't sure if they were going to lose their jobs, and as as things started to to recover, there's a lot more certainty, but ultimately the low interest rates underpin a lot of that. So we've seen um, loads of borrowers come to both Lendy and uh, Domain Loan Finder, ultimately looking to refinance and take advantage of these lower rates. It's been kind of the one trend in the market that's held relatively strong through the whole period.
0: David, um, have you got a sort of sense of the sentiment of when people are coming? A lot of them obviously have to come and have to are forced to refinance. Are there some people who just think now is the time to do a bit of a health check when it comes to financing? or, or did you feel? there was a certain urgency to what people were doing and speaking with you about at that time
2: look i think um there was there was obviously a you know cohort of people who um, genuinely needed to, to restructure because they either had less certainty going forward or, you know, they reduced hours, et cetera, and they were forced to do so. One of the, one of the things that, that played out in this situation as well is, um, and we measure, we measure this, we describe it externally as the, as the loyalty tax or the, the gap between existing customers and new customers. Those rates fell so far, that loyalty tax widened. It just made so much sense for more borrowers to, to kind of take the plunge and refinance.
0: And it does have a bit of a contagion effect, doesn't it? I think when people start talking about it with other people, it it does sort of often spur people into action to think, gosh, I should be doing that as well. So I think we saw a little bit of that happening too. Also, people had the capacity and time more than what they probably have had before during lockdown to actually get on top of things like this also.
2: Absolutely. Um, Probably with the exception of um, those, you know, dual working parents with three or four kids at home going through homeschooling. I think everyone's glad to see the back of that. (laughs) I think
0: you're... Spot on there. <laughs> we don't need any data to tell us that one, do we? Um, now, David, uh, recent lending data points to a shift towards the big four banks at the peak of the pandemic. Can I just get your input on in that? Is it is it because customers are preferencing highly competitive rates or do people prefer to lean on what they perceive to be uh, a more established institutions during times of uncertainty? Yeah, Look,
2: so certainly in the deposit and term deposit space, I think the flight quality narrative is the right one. Um, but when we look at the data as it relates to home loans, so I think you know just to sort of talk at a high level from a, from Lendy perspective, we're typically about twenty percent of our customers go to the big four banks um, in a normal normal course of business, and what we saw happen during. The pandemic is that sort of peaked up to almost forty percent of customers, which is a pretty material change. Mm. When we look underlying at the data, the key thing that stands out to us is it's mostly concentrated around refinances as opposed to new purchases, and mostly concentrated around owner occupiers. And we think one of the bigger drivers around this was, given the rates were so low, the 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 big four banks really capitalized on that sort of momentum in the market and Mm. kept some very strong cashback offers in place. for refinance customers, and we think that was probably the bigger driver, as opposed to you know people going somewhere safe um, that they knew. What we've seen play out since then is a number of the big banks couldn't really handle the volume.
0: I was going to say, I suppose in that instance, what they're missing is the agility of the smaller players, but they've got the experience to be able to react, haven't they? But they're, they're not as nimble as what a lot of the smaller players are. Um, it's what we're seeing now too.
2: Yeah, look, a lot of them had their sort of uh, their time to approval or their assessment time blowout for, you know, to as long as four weeks. Um, and consumers kind of, you know, when it, when it sort of gets into, a, into the couple of week territory, they start to vote with their feet and, um, and we've seen a shift back towards where, where things used to be. Mm.
0: And I know certainly from a buying perspective, it's part of the frustration that um, a lot of people selling at the moment along with their agents are finding that people aren't being able to make quick decisions when it comes to financing or stretching further or doing something more creative, that they've lost that sort of quick flex that we've, we've once sort of enjoyed the luxury of in, in a different market.
2: Yeah that look that's that's right but the good news is there's still a number of lenders that have maintained their service levels and are turning around really quick approval so it's really I think the thing and this is this may sound a little little bit self-serving but I think the benefit of using a platform like Lendy or Domain is you get access to that whole market and you can also see within the platform how long it takes these lenders to to ultimately assess a loan so if you are wanting to be in that sort of agile you know fast moving Um, piece. You can choose a lender that's going to give you a quick approval.
0: Mm. On that note, David, can I ask, what would you find is the strongest driver for people when looking at mortgage options? Is it all about rates or in a changing economy and with this unpredictable future we've all got more than ever, are people beginning to increasingly value flexibility and agility, would you say, or is it all about getting that number as low as possible?
2: Yeah, look, I think, um, five to seven years ago, you know, rate was much more of a factor. Um, now what we start to see is when people switch their loan, they're often switching their transaction account. And that ultimately means, you know, how they're buying and selling things. Um, and, you know, expectation today is Apple Pay, Android Pay, et cetera. So the, the consideration sets definitely broader than just rate today. Um, and the other things that sort of feed into that is, you know, how long does it take to, to get approved? how easy is the approval process? Do I have to sign any forms or can I just do this you know, via a digital signature and online? Mm. Those are things that feed into people's decisions these days.
0: I see. Now, the, the, the government has said JobKeeper will cease and the banks have said mortgage holidays will start to end after September. If and when these changes come into effect, how might this affect the rates that banks will offer?
2: Uh, So, there's a couple of points there. So, you're right, the mortgage holidays and JobKeeper are set to cease. I think the impact that both of those have, it's still yet to be seen and certainly where the unemployment rate lands is going to be a big driver around any sort of economic or lending impact. Mm. In terms of what that does to rates, I'm not entirely sure that there'll be sort of any major bearings to rates. So, if we think about the consumers or the people that are on mortgage holidays right now, we're already starting to see a large number of them voluntarily come off either in part or in full.
0: I thought that was so interesting when I saw that the other day. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I guess if we go all the way back to March when this all started to play out, one of the things that we certainly commend the government, the ABA and the banks on moving so quickly on because it certainly gave people that safety net was extending the concept of this mortgage holiday. What happened is people made relatively quick decisions uh, to ultimately put their payments on pause Um, just in case the worst happened. And, And we're certainly in the lucky country in Australia when you look at the data overseas, it's certainly a different story to what we're seeing over here. But I think over the weeks that played out in April and certainly into May and June, Aussies have gotten a pretty good understanding around how this is going to impact me over the next kind of three to six months. And what we've seen is voluntary resumption of payments. A mortgage holiday is an interesting word. It's
0: a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it?
2: Exactly. And that interest keeps accruing. And that does mean it's going to take you longer to pay that loan back. So what really has been sort of laid out from here is a pathway for people to move from sort of, you know, 100% of my interest payments and principal payments on hold to paying part of the interest to paying all of the interest in an interest-only loan and then ultimately resuming principal and interest payments when they're ready to go. It's different bank to bank, but we've definitely started to see data out there suggesting that there's a strong cohort of consumers you know, taking these steps proactively. And um, I think the cliff that people are talking about um, is going to be you know, maybe more, more like a sand dune, mm. but we'll, we'll see how that plays out in September.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really positive sign though that people are beginning to, you know, reevaluate that, and they're not enjoying the, sort of the sun of that holiday too much, and they're actually being really quite responsible. Uh, now, David, one last question for you: What should the first number people see in their current rate today? Is it as clear cut as you need to have X in front of it, or is it is it more complicated than giving me one number?
2: No, look, I mean, ultimately, if you are talking about the mortgage for an owner occupied property. And you're paying principal and interest still, you there's there's no reason your mortgage rate should start with a three. It has to start with a two. Mm-hmm. You know, fixed rates are always an interesting thing. Given where we are in the interest rate cycle, there's not a lot of downside to taking a fixed rate, and there's certainly a lot of upside. A fixed rates start at the low twos, two point zero 219 percent. And that's incredibly cheap money. Mm. And the difference between, you know, it might not sound a lot, but if you're in the low threes today and you, you, you can shave 100 basis points off your loan, that could mean, depending on the size of your loan and how you've structured it and how many years are left, it could mean seven to 10 years off the life of your loan, which is, which is a meaningful reduction.
0: Oh, it absolutely is. And you sort of pity all those people that, which many did, took fixed rates prior to this, even a couple of years ago, are probably, yeah, n- not not loving that so much right now and, and looking forward to that period ending and looking forward to renegotiating it.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, it's one, of those, it's one of those things that some people do value certainty over price and cash flow mm. and people have to make that decision based on their own risk appetite.
0: David, that was really interesting. Thank you for your time today and um, I'm looking forward to what's going to happen in this space in the coming months. Thank you again.
2: No worries. Thanks for having me. Great to chat.
0: Before I sign off, I wanted to let you know about why we've decided to create this podcast. We know that property can be complex, baffling and incredibly confusing. And that's why we want to unpack with you issues that matter without all the jargon so you can really understand how they're going to affect you. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you want answered, please email us at propertyunpacked@domain.com.au. Thanks and talk to you next week. You've been listening to Property Unpacked, a podcast by Domain. If you like what you've heard, hit subscribe and look out for further episodes dropping every Thursday. Property Unpacked is hosted by me, Alice Stoltz. This episode was produced by Alexandra Spangaro, Stephen Claxton, with production support from Hayley Cools. Artwork by Rabia Ahmed, audience development support from Karina Guy. Our executive producers are Jen Young and Jason Chuck. For more property news, advice and market insights, head to domain.com.au.